chapter 3. Verse 1 says, For this cause I, Paul, the prisoner of Jesus Christ, for you Gentiles. If ye have heard of the dispensation of grace, of the grace of God, rather, which is given me to you, word. How that by revelation he made known unto me the mystery, as I wrote afore in few words. Whereby when ye read, ye may understand my knowledge in the mystery of Christ, which in other ages was not made known unto the sons of men, as it is now revealed unto his holy apostles and prophets by the Spirit. That the Gentiles should be fellow heirs and of the same body and partakers of his promise in Christ by the gospel. Whereof I was made a minister according to the gift of the grace of God given unto me by the effectual working of his power. Unto me who am less than the least of all saints is this grace given, that I should preach among the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ. The unsearchable riches of Christ. To make all men see what is the fellowship of the mystery which from the beginning of the world hath been hid in God who created all things by Jesus Christ. Verse 10 says, To the intent that now all principalities and powers in heavenly places might be known by the church the manifold wisdom of God according to the eternal purpose which he purposed in Christ Jesus our Lord, in whom we have boldness and access with confidence by the faith of him. Verse 10 says, To the intent that now unto the principalities and powers in heavenly places might be known by the church the manifold wisdom of God. I'm going to preach tonight this title to the intent to the intent let's put our Bibles down let's go before the Lord in prayer tonight God we love you God I thank you for your word I thank you for your people and God I pray that your word would find its mark tonight God I pray that you would challenge our spirits that you would move in our minds. God, that we would take every care of the world that we are experiencing today, that we would put it out of our minds, that we would focus on your word so that you can help us tonight. In the name of Jesus, we pray. In the name of Jesus, we pray. God, I surrender all to you. I surrender all to you. In the name of Jesus. God, you are mighty. You are worthy. You are holy. I love you, Jesus. I love you, Jesus. Why don't you tell him that you love him tonight?
tell them again like you mean it. I love you, Jesus. I love you, Jesus. I love you, Jesus. I love you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. You can be seated tonight. To the intent. We read from the book of Ephesians tonight. It is of no coincidence. It is not... uh, It is not a mystery who the book of Ephesians was written to. It it carries the name of the audience that it was written to. It was written by the Apostle Paul, likely around the year of A.D. 62, while Paul is imprisoned in the, the city of Rome. The timing and the grammar style that you find in the book of Ephesians makes it uh, a very close resemblance, at least style-wise and grammar-wise, to the writing of the book of Colossians. And so many scholars believe that the book of Ephesians and the book of Colossians were written about the same time. Paul's level of, of grammar is consistent. The styling is consistent. And so it is very likely that Paul wrote both the epistles of Ephesians and Colossians from prison. However, while the book of Colossians was written with a focus on focus on Christ as being the head, the emphasis of the book of Ephesians is on you and I. He's writing it to the church at Ephesus, but it's not being written just for the Ephesians. That's why we find it in our Bible. It is written to the church. It is written to the saints. In fact, it emphasizes the fact that you and I, just like the church at Ephesus, which was a church of Gentiles, meaning they were not Jews, they were not of Hebrew descent, that they were the body of Christ. Colossians focused as Christ as the head, but Ephesians is focusing as you and I as the body of Christ. Unlike others of his epistles, there is not, there doesn't appear rather to be any specific church issue that prompted Paul to write this letter. It's not like the books of 1st and 2nd Corinthians. You read the books of 1st and 2nd Corinthians, there is very specific sin that caused him to write those letters. In fact, they're so specific that he calls people out by name. Very realistically, reading someone's mail, saying that this person, I have heard this person is in sin, this person is in sin, and this is the sin. That is not the style of this epistle to the church at Ephesus. There are also no personal references to individuals in the church in the book of Ephesians. But the focus of Paul is for a concern. He is concerned for the saints in general. He's teaching not just the church at Ephesus. He is focused on the importance of their calling. 
the importance of their placement in the kingdom. He is writing with intent in his heart. For this cause I, Paul, the prisoner of Jesus Christ for you Gentiles. He's not recognizing his status as Rome's prisoner. He's not looking down and referencing the chains that hold his hands and his feet bound. He's not looking at the Roman centurion, but he is letting the people of Ephesus and thenceforth you and I tonight know that I'm not looking at my situation through my human eyes. I'm not looking at my situation through human reasoning, but Paul is recognizing his status and his situation through the lens of the kingdom of God. I'm not a prisoner of Rome. I am a prisoner of Jesus Christ. I am not chained in a prison cell. I am chained to a calling. I am not held in bonds of, uh, of, of servitude to man and man's wisdom and man's kingdoms and man's rule and man's regulation. But I am chained to a calling to be a man of God. When I was born again, I entered into a calling that is otherworldly. And just like I, Paul, am a prisoner of Jesus Christ, you are to be a prisoner of Jesus Christ. He's writing to the church at Ephesus what I'm preaching to you tonight. It is time that we look beyond the status quo. It is time that we look beyond the realm of the natural man and natural wisdom and natural ability and natural government and it is time that we attach ourselves to a realm that is otherworldly that is other uh, dimensional that is not of man and man's devices but it is time that we become intent on being the body of Christ Not recognizing the four walls that contain me physically. Because Paul understood he's part of something that cannot be bound by four walls. If ye have heard of the dispensation of the grace of God which is given me to you word. How that by revelation... Saying it's not something that man taught me. The salvific process of repentance, baptism in Jesus' name, the infilling of the Holy Ghost is not just something that is taught. It is something that's got to be caught. It's something that says, you know what, I'm, I'm living for something, for, for God who is much bigger than I am. I'm living more than just inside the four walls of my home. I'm living just beyond beyond the, the four walls of my job, my career. I'm living beyond the, the vehicle that I drove here tonight in. I'm living beyond the, the balance of my checking account or my savings account. I'm living beyond 
beyond uh, the, the, the realms that you and I can see with our eyes. But there is a, a very real revelation that Paul has uh, that he has received, uh, that he received there on the road uh, to Damascus uh, when the voice uh, was speaking from the light. And he said, Paul, why, why persecutest thou me? And he said, Lord, who art thou? He said, I, I got a revelation that went beyond the letter of the law touched and revealed the spirit of the law. And the spirit of the law says, I am more than the sum of my parts as an individual. I am more than a name on a paper. I am more than the government's view of me as a series of numbers on a social security card. Your social security number is your government number. That's who the government knows you as. Somebody shout out your social I'm just kidding, don't. Somebody write it down real quick. But it's more than she was born here to these parents at this time on this occasion on this date, and she died at this location, at this time, at this age, surrounded by these people, and is buried in the ground here. It is more than here and gone. Paul said, I have received a revelation that I am bigger than, I am part of something that is bigger than what I could see with my natural man. My natural man was limited to the point that I thought these folks, they're calling themselves Christians. I thought these folks that were believing in Jesus Christ were blaspheming, uh, blaspheming. I, I, I was chained to that vision, but I'm no longer a prisoner to that mindset. I'm no longer a prisoner to the mindset that I walked in the church with for the very first time. I was, I was, I'm not chained to the mindset of being worthless. I'm not chained to the mindset of being uh, less than average I'm not chained to the mindset that I'll never be and I'll never become I'm not chained to the mindset that it's just here today and gone tomorrow but I have come tonight with the intent he said I'm writing to you Ephesus with the intent that you might receive a revelation of who you are you're more than who man says you are. You are more than whom the government says you are. You're more even than your parents say that you are. You are more than your employer says that you are. You are more than a pay stub. You're more than a parking spot. You're more than who your university or your school or your elementary school says that you are. You are who God says you are. God said you're more than just the physical body taking up space. You're more than mass. One of the most general terms to describe anything is mass. It just has weight, takes up space. more than that. 
I'm more than mass sitting on a chair that has mass, sitting on carpet that has mass, sitting on plywood that has mass, being supported by two by eights that have mass, sitting on a gym floor that has mass, sitting on concrete that has mass. It's just this and mass and that. It's more than that. I'm more than just a physical body. I am part of a body that is much bigger than the physical body could contain. He said, Ephesus, I need you to understand that you are no longer just known as Gentiles. You are the church. You are the body of Christ. There is a very real possibility that the body you see standing behind this pulpit was, is bigger than the body that Jesus Christ lived in while he was on the earth. Very, very, very possible. Very possible. He didn't eat bacon. I do. So, that in and of itself ought to show us the magnitude of the kingdom of God. Even in that simple little silly illustration, he's letting you know you are an individual who is part of a body, and it's not a physical body. It's not a physical body linked by molecules and, and strands of elements and so on and so forth and, and, and atoms and ions and so on and so forth but it's it's otherworldly if we were talking about a natural body think man why in the world would I want to be a part of that but it's more than natural I don't get it how that by revelation he made known unto me the mystery. It's called a mystery because it wasn't easy for them to understand. Because as man and woman, as mankind, as natural beings, we get locked into our own perception. We get locked into what we can see and what we cannot see seems so far away. Even something that is able to be seen under a microscope seems so far away when you pull the microscope away. But we're not looking with microscopes tonight. We're looking with magnifying glasses and we're looking with telescopes because we're a part of something that is more than earthly. We're part of something that is supernatural. We are part of a kingdom of which there is no end. There's not a magnifying glass big enough for you to see the far reaches of the kingdom of God. There's not a Hubble telescope variant that is powerful enough to tap into other worldly activities in the spirit. There is not. I know that this is boring some of you, but I promise you, we are going somewhere tonight. You need to understand first and foremost that you are part of something bigger than yourself. 
You're part of something that's bigger than this big old school building used to be converted to a church. You're part of something bigger than the city limit signs. You're part of something bigger than the Midwest region. You're part of something that is bigger than just the state of Indiana. You are part of a heavenly kingdom. And it is high time that we start acting like it. Whereby when we read, ye may understand my knowledge in the mystery of Christ, which in other ages was not made known unto the sons of men as it is now revealed. He was saying, listen, I know those old time prophets in the Old Testament, they alluded to the Gentiles being part of the body, but they never understood that they would be fellow heirs with Christ Jesus. They might have understood in part, but now it's been revealed a little bit further that you're not just Gentiles, you're not just the stepchild of the kingdom. You are as much a part of the body as the next person. In the kingdom of God, honey, there is no race. There is no ethnicity. There is no language barrier because we all speak a heavenly language. When we are born again of the water and of the spirit, we become part of the body of Christ. now revealed unto his holy apostles and prophets by the Spirit that the Gentiles should be fellow heirs and of the same body and partakers of his promise in Christ by the gospel, the very nature, the very spiritual nature of the kingdom of God starts hacking at eliminating small thinking. kingdoms not limited by the color of their skin. That's small thinking. Kingdoms not limited by language. That's small thinking. Kingdoms not limited by social status. That's small thinking. Kingdoms not limited by Location. <laughs> That's small thinking. The kingdom is not limited by account balances. That's small thinking. We are partakers of His promise in Christ by the gospel. Whereof I was made a minister according to the gift of the grace of God given unto me by the effectual working of his power. Unto me. Paul's getting a little more aged now. He's speaking from a position of maturity. He's understanding I'm really no better than anybody else. Unto me who am less than the least of all saints. Is this grace given that I should preach among the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ? Say, when I was born again, when I was on that road to Damascus and I was blinded and I needed someone to come and preach to me so both my natural and spiritual eyes could be opened, 
I only knew and I had only tasted just a minute portion because the riches of God are unsearchable. That means that you and I could start out tonight walking in the riches of Christ, which we ought to be doing. We ought to be experiencing the power and presence of God. But we could start out walking tonight on a spiritual journey and never reach the end. And you'd say, Pastor, well then why should we? Because there is an intent To make all men see what is the fellowship of the mystery which from the beginning of the world hath been hid in God who created all things by Jesus Christ to the intent that now unto the principalities and powers in heavenly places might be known by the church the manifold wisdom of God. Let me preach to you tonight that God is a God with intent. That he is not a God who just flies off the handle but he He created the body of Christ with a special intent in mind. His intent is not for you and I to remain at a plateau. Can any of our school kids define to me what a plateau is? General, rough idea. doesn't have to be word for word. All these kids are looking away from me. Kenzie, tell me what a plateau is. Shouldn't have looked away, sister. Give me an idea. What's a plateau? Yes, you do. Gabby, what's a plateau? Keep it in the family. Isaac, tell me what the plateau is. Okay. Steep sides, but what's what's special about the plateau? It's He said it's higher than the land around it. It has steep sides, but it's flat on top. You all need to study with your brother. It's higher. Well, thank God I'm not where I used to be. Why wasn't it a trip to get up here? You see where I'm going? God's intent was never for me to get so far and quit growing. God's intent, I feel like preaching tonight. God's intention was never for you to just get the Holy Ghost and stop growing. His intention was never for you to repent and stop growing. His intention was never for you to be baptized and stop growing. I'll go as far to say this. Even your speaking in tongues should grow. When a baby first starts speaking, that's why the prophet said with stammering lips and another tongue. Who's to say that the person with stammering lips isn't really speaking in a heavenly language? 
When a baby first starts speaking, they're not using theological terms. They're not speaking at a thesaurus level, but they are speaking in a, a, in a language. It sounds foolish. Oh, do-do-da-da. Dad-dad-do-do, and everybody starts laughing. Dad-dad did what? Do-do. And it's, it's, a, it's the, the, the fun in the house when the baby starts talking. We go back every once in a while and we start watching old videos of our kids. Thank God for cell phones, right? Old videos of our kids when they were little. Watch your nutter bars! <laughs> Running across, they're just being boys, they're being little kids, they're, they're having fun. But they're, they're speaking at a different level than what they should. If the baby starts speaking at that level and never changes their speech, we start worrying. Sister Angie, if they hit fifth grade and they're still, still saying dad, dad, doo-doos and they're not saying anything else, we got a problem. They're not where they used to be, but they're not where they ought to be. The kingdom of God has some intent. God did not design us to stay in spiritual diapers. God did not save us so we can just wear our pull-ups to go to bed. God did not save us to just have Velcro shoes because we don't know how to tie our shoes. God did not save us to remain spiritual toddlers. God called us to become. To them gave he power to become the sons of God. To the intent that now the principalities and powers in heavenly places are going to know and be known. God has called his church to grow. To operate with intent. Operate with intent. Intent is defined as a usually clearly formulated plan. The act or fact of intending, there is purpose attached to intent. Go on down reading the definitions and it says, the state of mind with which an act is done. Word of God is quick, powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit and joint and Morrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. So my intent comes not from my mind, but from my heart. Not the several pound beating muscle, organ, mass in my chest. But my soul, 
the place which is the seat of my emotions, the seat of my will. God is calling his church to override their free will the free will of their carnality, the free will of sinful man and sinful nature and saying, guess what, devil? I'm going to thumb it in your nose that with the free will that you have tried to manipulate me for so long with to try to get me to live a life of sin, devil, I'm going to rub your nose in the fact I'm making up in my mind, in my heart. I am intending on getting to heavenly places. We serve a God who is intentional and therefore his church is intentional. Now the principalities, powers in heavenly places might be known by the church. The manifold wisdom of God. Believe it or not, God has not called us to just come in and glean the morsels that are dropped during service. God hasn't called us to just come in and barely scrape up enough. Now do you understand why I was asking you if you're ready for the preaching? God has designed us to come in and take what we get in service and to put boots on the ground with what I get in service and to go home and say, okay, God, I intend to make this word part of my life today. I intend to be part of the body of Christ on Mondays, on Tuesdays, on Wednesdays and on Thursdays, on Fridays, on Saturdays, not just on church days. I'm not just a part of the body when I get to come to church. I'm not just part of the body when my boss allows me to have a day off. I'm part of the body if he makes me work. I'm part of the body even if I'm out of town. I'm part of the body and I'm going to act like I'm part of the body. And I intend to grow. I intend to become. I do not intend to remain on this plateau. Just thankful I'm not where I used to be. We ought to be thankful we're not where we used to be. As long as where we are now is a better spiritual place than where we used to be. But if I'm on a plateau, let it be a plateau that I'm walking toward to get to the mountain. I got to cross this plateau because this isn't a plateau on all four sides. There's a mountain over here and I'm ready to climb. I'm ready to get up a little bit higher. Exodus 19.5 Now wherefore, if ye will obey my voice indeed and keep my covenant, then ye shall be a peculiar treasure unto me above all people. For all the earth is mine. All the earth is mine. And out of everything in the earth, out of every natural resource, out of every precious gem and precious stone and, and, and every... every uh, 
vein of silver, every vein of gold, every vein of platinum. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. He said, you will be a peculiar treasure, more valuable than every bit of the natural resources in the earth that's created. Out of everything in the earth that I said it was good, when I put the veins of gold in the mountains, when I crushed and under pressure put diamonds in that cliffside, he said, I want you to know out of everything that was all just good, but when I created man and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life he stepped back and said it's very good because it's got the potential to become a peculiar treasure he's not interested in just some old natural anybody can find it in a mountain kind of treasure he paves his streets with that stuff I just wonder, Brother George, if the trash can in front of my mansion in heaven is going to be made out of silver or bronze or platinum. I won't have a garbage can. There's no weeping. No complaining. He's not going to make me complain about taking the garbage out in heaven, Sister Angie. He said, out of all those things, my church is designed to be peculiar. While they're living. That's why he said, church, you might be in the world, but you're not of it. To the intent, principalities and power. To be seated with me in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. I'm part of the body. That means I have access to heavenly places. Ye are a chosen generation, 1 Peter 2, verses 9 and 10. Chosen generation, a royal priesthood, and a holy nation, a peculiar people, that you should show forth the praises of him who hath called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Which in time past, we're not a people. You didn't have an identity. Now you've got one. Before you were just one from the masses. Now, people of God, which had not obtained mercy, now you've obtained mercy. If you were to read on the book of Revelation, you would find a scripture that says He has made us, you and I, kings and priests. Kings and priests. Unlike any other people group, in the kingdom of God, every citizen is royal. Every citizen of the kingdom of God is divinely imbued with royal authority. We are not like we used to be. Thank God. But I'm also not on a plateau. I am not in a position of just coasting and never growing. You see, folks, the designation of being royalty is the highest possible class on earth. In fact, it is a transcending of class. It is not even a class at all. Such a position is not dependent on economic 
or social or popular status. Kings are identified by their kingdoms. Their lifelong identity is bound to the place where they're king. They're not only the king of the country, but they are also literally considered a part of the country itself. You cannot separate the king from the country. For Israel, it included both a heavenly as well as a natural earthly land. But for the church, it is a spiritual country. It is the kingdom of God, a heavenly kingdom. In history, the king was no subject, was, I'm sorry, was not subject to earthly authority. In fact, it is known as the divine right of kings. He is not subjected to earthly authority, but derives the right to rule directly from the will of God. When I am a king and priest, the king is not subject to the will of the people. Instead, only God has authority over such kings. Their authority is independent of men. It stands in authority and understanding over them. It takes no orders about its ministry from the world. Nor does it depend upon the love of the world, nor is it alarmed by the hate of the world. But it is able to declare we are servants of and are mandated by the living God. I'm skipping. Priests were set apart to the holy, sacred role of mediation between God and man. In history, they were the two foremost authorities of the ancient world. And so they would avoid absolute manipulative and cruel power. They were kept separately according to history. It was these two highest positions, or it is these two highest positions that are united when you and I are born again of the water and of the Spirit. When we are born into the kingdom of God, when we become part of the body of Christ, we become both ruler and priest. It is the coronation and the consecration. He said, I'll give you power to become the sons of God. I'll give you authority. I will give you dominion and I will place you in a position and give unto you the ministry of reconciliation whereby I, God, reconcile the world to myself. He said, now it's part of your identity and the intent of being part of the church. Believers are kings. Because we're children of the king. The kingdom of God comes with intent. On the phone with somebody right before church. Talking about a project. Something that God's laid on my heart. I haven't shared with anybody here but my wife. And I called this man and he called me back talking about things. He said, hey, he said, outside of all this, how are things going? 
I said, you know, I answered him honestly. So we are to the point where the pressure is not coming from the outside. Pressure is coming from the inside. What's that mean, Pastor? It means we are not coward in fear of external forces. I asked you if you were ready. We're, we're not being beaten over the head by devils. Elder, the place we're at is right here. Not the altar. We're standing at the bottom of the stairs. And the pressure is saying it's time to fish or cut bait. That means it's either time to pick up a pole and put your line in the water or it's time to grab a knife and start cutting up bait for somebody else to put their pole in the water. You're still in the boat, but you got to decide if you're going to have a line in your hand or a knife. You're standing at the bottom of the stairs, and God's saying, my intent is for you to come up and experience some heavenly things. My intention, the intention of the kingdom is for you to be part of the kings and the priests, but you've got to be able to take a step. The pressure is not from hell beating down on you. The pressure is you have got to make up your mind. I intend to grow. I intend to become. I intend to be the man or woman that God is calling me to be. You know what that man said? He said, man, that's awesome. Why would he say that's awesome, Sister Blaze? Because the decision is not predicated upon Satan any longer. I don't have to sit around and wait till hell gets done beating me over the head. All I got to do is make up my mind, honey, I'm making a step. I'm taking another step. I'm taking another step. I'm getting up above the mundane. I'm getting above the status quo. I'm tired of just sitting around waiting on God to drop it in my lap. He's not going to. He's waiting for you to come up and claim it. So I said, you know what, I just made up my mind. And I have. I'm not going to sit around waiting until the conditions get just right. The Bible says if you watch the sky, you'll never do anything. You won't plant because it might rain. In fact, the slothful man won't even leave his house because there might be a lion in the street. God didn't intend for me. To live inside a box. God didn't intend for you to live inside a box. It's time to get a matchbook. Like the box on fire. Maybe it's a crate. Eric, grab that crate. Flip it upside down. You know what you got now? A step. 
not getting tripped up anymore, see? It might look like a stumbling block to my natural man. But when I get the intention of the kingdom inside my spirit, it becomes a stepping stone. I'm coming up higher. God designed me with the intent to sit in heavenly places. I sit around and wait. Just that one perfect God. I'm just, I'm just looking for that one. How many will I pass by while I'm looking for the one? I'm trying to get to the top of the stairs. I've tried it, and the last time I checked, I cannot levitate. Right? Doesn't work. I can't just float from down there up here. I can't just levitate my way up the flight of stairs. But I don't want to wake up and be like Jacob, scratching my head after seeing a vision of stairs and angels ascending and descending and saying, man, I'm in the house of God and I didn't even know it. I don't want to get to the end of my life and say, God, you promised me this, and you promised me that, and you promised me this, and then be standing there at the pearly gates and asking him, why, God? Why? He said, I was there. You were there. You were at the house of God. All you had to do was walk up the staircase. All you had to do was make up your mind, I'm growing today. I'm growing today. I'm climbing higher today. I'm going up yonder. You don't know what I've been through. You don't know what my story. You don't know my history. First Chronicles 4. One of two scriptures. Mentioning this man's name. It's never mentioned anywhere else. Jabez was more honorable than his brethren. His mother called his name Jabez, saying, because I bear him with sorrow. What a start. If anybody had an excuse not to become, Jabez had an excuse not to become. I was named after sorrow. Verse 10. And Jabez called on the God of Israel. Saying, oh, thou wouldst bless me indeed. Enlarge my coast. And that thine hand might be with me. And that thou wouldst keep me from evil. That it may not grieve me. And God granted him that which he requested. He's more honorable than his brother. In spite of being named after sorrow. He made up his mind. I will not be satisfied living at the bottom of the staircase. I'm tired of standing down here and watching everybody else go up the stairs. 
God, I want to enlarge my coast. I'm preaching to somebody tonight as the musicians come. I'm preaching to you tonight. What you've got to do is all it takes. We've got to make up our minds. God, I'm going to enlarge my coast. I I'm going to enlarge my borders. I am making up my mind. I'm taking the first step. What if? What if God was saying, I'm ready to pour in to your world, but I need you to stretch your own borders. I need you to take your hands off the fence. Let me enlarge it. I know pastor's stretching. And it's going to get worse before it gets better. It's going to feel more uncomfortable before it feels comfortable again. Because God is ready to pour. back I want to burn the box I want to get rid of the box I want to be who you've called me to be you can come you can start praying but I'm not not quite finished yet you need to listen to me I'm pushing the limits back I still need your focus You are a king and priest. God's given you dominion. He's given you authority. And you've got a connection with God. A connection with God. You study the book of Ephesians. There are two beautiful and powerful prayers that are offered by Paul. One is in the first chapter of Ephesians. The second is right after the text that we read. The first shows Paul's desire that the wisdom and revelation of the riches they possess in Christ, that they would receive a revelation of all of that. I need them. God, my prayer is that they really would see their value. God, that they'd really get a revelation of who they are. Of the wisdom, revelation of the riches that they already have within them just because of the born again process. God, I want them to see your superiority. I want them to see the the preeminence of Christ in the universe. That means the fact that God fills all time and space and you cannot untangle him from that. He has all power and no matter how many times you try to pull the strings and unwind it, you're never going to get the power away from him. It's his. It's who he is. He's trying to encourage them. He's trying to solidify their faith. The second prayer 
immediately follows our opening text. Verse 14 of chapter 3. For this cause I bow my knees unto the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, of whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named. There's nothing else on earth that corresponds or can compare to the church. We are the cutting edge. We are what's going on. You don't have to look for the party. We are the party. You don't have to look for what's happening. We are what's happening. The church is where it's at. That he would grant you, according to the riches of his glory, to be strengthened with might by his spirit in the inner man. That Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith, that ye, being rooted and grounded in love, Rooted is an agricultural term. Grounded is an architectural term. It implies you've got foundations and you have what it takes to absorb nutrients and stand strong no matter the condition. That Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith that you being rooted and grounded in love may be able to comprehend with all saints what is the breadth, the length, the depth, and the height You're part of something bigger than anything you could imagine. To know the love of Christ, which passeth knowledge, that you might be filled with all the fullness of God. Now unto him that is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think, according to the power that worketh in us. Unto him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus throughout all ages. World without end. Paul's praying. He's saying, God, I want them to understand they don't have to stay at ground level. There's length, breadth, depth, height. It's a multi-dimensional kingdom. And you can go as deep as you want to go can go as high as you want to go, as wide, as far as you want to go, because it's a world without end. It's not a, it's not a debate of whether the kingdom of God is flat or whether it's a circumference or has circumference. Whether it's flat, whether it's planar, spherical, it just has no end. How much do you want? How much do you want? How high are you willing to climb? Paul's praying. He's longing for the saints. Be strengthened in their inner man. Increasingly yield to the Spirit of God that's inside of you. I want to pray longer. I want to pray deeper. I want to yield more of myself. That's why it's more than just words when we're singing songs like, I surrender all to you, withholding nothing. Do we really mean that? I'm taking the limits off to the intent that I'm not satisfied just living down here. 
there is unmatched power unfathomable love exceeding miraculous waiting for the people of God it's high time for the people of God to make up their minds I will become I'm not going to wait until conditions are perfect because they'll never be perfect but let me tell you tonight this is the perfect season for the church today is the day of salvation but I've got to walk with intent. I know the Spirit's willing. The flesh is weak. But will you allow yourself room to grow? Will you allow yourself room to grow? Or will you fight the process? Let me warn you. If you fight the process, one day you'll look back and wonder where all your time went. What's your intent? The kingdom of God is waiting. I'm done. The kingdom of God is waiting. How much? Do you want? He said it's the intent for spiritual victory. The intent is for the church to have dominion. The intent is that there would be power that would settle into the lives of the people of God in a permanent fashion. I want to become intentional about growth. More than once, I need to become intentional about growth. I need to become intentional about my calling. I need to become intentional about the kingdom. I need to become intentional about my prayer life. I need to become intentional about Bible study. I need to become intentional about setting my heart and my mind to know Him. So when you have your way, what's the intent? I'm getting off this plateau. I'm getting off. Tear down every lie. Set the wrong thing right. Because when you have.